Michael Dupree Variety Hour on every podcast provider in and around God's beautiful blue-green orb that we call planet Earth. I am your host, Michael Dupree, uh, and it is May 20th, the beautiful Monday, May 20th, uh, the week before Labor Day, and which Labor Day, you know, that's a week that I just go all out. Memorial Day. <laughs> Uh, that didn't sound right. <laughs> it's Memorial Day that's coming up next week. Uh, Labor Day is where I really go all out. <laughs> I go to work, and I, I just, like, celebrate how good I am at working. It's a blast. Uh, but, uh, you know what? What's the difference between Memorial Day and Labor Day? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, anyway. If you guys are, have never listened to the Michael the Pre Variety Hour before, it is an arts showcase and comedy show where we feature local musicians, painters, poets, artists, sculptors, directors, writers. Never had a sculptor. Just going to correct that. Uh, but if anyone knows any sculptors, uh, tweet at me at my gives back. Um, and today is actually a little different because today we don't have a directly local uh, interesting person joining us. Uh, but I will say they are, uh, in fact, an interesting person. Uh, they hail from the Big Apple is that is that correct? Yep, yeah, big old apple. <laughs> big apple. There we go. But yes, we are joined by Christopher oh, yeah. Wells, Brooklyn, actually. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. How is it in Brooklyn? How's the weather? It's nice, nice uh, blue skies with a few nice puffy clouds. Beautiful day. Very nice. Uh, so uh, he is Christopher Wells is the writer, director, and executive producer of The Luring. It is a winner of the best thriller at this year's Motor City Nightmares Film Festival. Congratulations, Christopher Wells. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Detroit was all awesome. first time there, so yeah, you know, I went there and won, and won a prize. So I'm I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's always a good uh, first uh, impression of a city. I think <laughs> yeah. is winning an award. I've never I've lived here my entire life and I've never won an award. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, except for like, you know high school like perfect attendance not just not to brag but that's life oh that's pretty hardcore <laughs> yeah i'm keeping it real uh so uh so you're from brooklyn uh have you lived there your entire life chris do you prefer chris or christopher uh, it's chris or christopher it doesn't really matter yes. um I'm, I'm i'm actually from long island and i've been living in brooklyn maybe for about maybe 12 years i guess um but yeah, native New Yorker. I uh, went to college at School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. Uh, it's an art school, and uh, yeah, I love New York. It's a great place to live. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of you know networking and whatnot. So it's kind of cool. I've never been to New York before. Uh, for some, oh, you got for some wild reason, I don't know. Um, I, I oh yeah, well New York would love you. I I think they would. I'm a nice boy. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think they'd get along with me. Uh, so what, what, so what guy, you, you said you went to the school of visual arts. Uh, did you kind of, have you always been interested in filmmaking or, uh, did you kind of find your way as you, as you went there? Um, well, it, it kind of all started in, uh, in high school. I got kicked out of Spanish class for being a wise ass and the <laughs> teacher just 
basically allowed me to roam the halls and the TV production teacher um, saw me and said, hey, why don't you sit in on the senior TV production class? I was a sophomore at the time. And so from there, I just learned the basics for two years. And senior year, I, I took the, you know, the class. And then I went to Towson State in Maryland. And my film teacher there said, you know, you live in New York. What the hell are you doing here? Uh, this isn't a film school. <laughs> so, yeah. and so then I went home um, and then I went to SCA. And um, yeah, so I've always had a passion for it because I'm the way that I think I'm not my SAT scores was like, the lowest score ever. Like I'm, I'm horrible at schoolwork, but I'm very creative. And so yeah. it kind of makes sense. Like totally. Uh, what, what, what is it about, uh, filmmaking? Do you think that connected with you so much? Uh, I mean, I guess when I first started making short films, which was in high school, I, I felt like I understood the language of it. I, and I also liked the fact that it was tangible. I, you know, I can write a script, I can produce it. And then there's a final product where every other class is sort of like, you know, if you, let's say if you do math, I, I, you know, so what the, the answer is number four, big shit. You know, I don't care. You know, <laughs> what I care about is creating something and, and, and having so that's why, you know, I, I, I always love doing creative writing and whatnot, but I just like the fact that there's, there's something tangible at the end. And I just understood how to do it. Just, I don't know. I just maybe watching TV when I was a little, you know, younger or, do, being in photography and art, like, I, I don't know, they're all kind of related, I guess. What were some of your favorite TV shows from when you were a kid? Oh, God. Well, The Munsters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love The Munsters. Um, yeah, Charlie's Angels. Um, oh, God, there, there's so many. Uh, I can't, and now I'm drawing a blank, but but The Munsters, I... I uh, being in Detroit and being at the Nightmares Film Festival, I, I sort of like reconnected with my childhood because, you know, I was watching all that old school Adams Family and the Munsters yeah. and all these old school uh, characters. They were, you know, at, at the venue, they were selling uh, items that were were of that, you know, and so of all these like horror related stuff. And so it was just kind of nice to be like, oh, my God, like I grew up with the Munsters and they're fucking awesome. I like I like the and weird Elvira. period in like the fifties and sixties where like horror was kind of like a family. It seemed almost like a family <laughs> experience, like like family themed sitcoms around horror and like Scooby Doo and like all those. It's like uh, yeah, it's interesting where that where I wonder where that went. Well, you know, without Albert and Costello, I mean, they they met like yeah. the, the Mummy and Frankenstein all that stuff. So there's always been like that relationship between comedy and horror yeah um which i've always liked i i really like dark humor and a lot of my short films that i do are very dark and but funny and and i kind of feel that you know th there's definitely something to be said about humor mi mixing that with with horror films and even even if you have a straight horror film it's always nice to kind of mix in just a little bit of humor or weirdness because it's just i don't know i just think it makes it better yeah uh, Cabin in the Woods. I, I'm sure you, you you've seen that. Uh, yeah. It's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. horror and comedy movies. Uh, it somehow fits yeah, both yeah. genres perfectly. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Evil Dead, obviously. <laughs> also, it's 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 somehow both. It's, it it somehow hits both nail the nail on the head with both. Yeah, um, yeah, and and it was the, the best part is like when you're not quite sure if the filmmaker's in on it when you're when you're trying to, you know, <laughs> like Cabin in the Woods. 
for a little when when I first saw it, I had no idea what I was watching because you know I I went to the movie theater and didn't know what it was. I think um, I got tickets for a special screening, or whatever, and so I, I had no idea what what kind of film it was. And at first, I was like. Wait, is, is is this supposed to be funny? And I'm like, oh, it is. This is great. And, you know, I fell in love with the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think, and the yeah, definitely the trailers made it seem like it was like the next scary, you know, cabin in the woods, like uh, you know, teenagers romp movie. But yeah, uh, yeah, totally turned the whole thing on its head. I thought it was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, what exactly is it about the horror genre that uh, that appeals to you? Well, I mean, I grew up watching Halloween. Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. uh, Dracula, like all the old great horror films. And so in, in a weird way, it's kind of comforting to watch horror because as a kid, that's kind of like what was on late at night. And yeah. somehow I was, you know, I stayed late. Yeah. Um, and and I, I guess you get to do things that obviously you normally wouldn't do in real life. And so there's always some sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say there's, um, anger in me or anything like that, but it's nice to kind of be really fucked up in my writing and then put it in a movie. It's sort of like a release because uh, I would never do anything like I, you know, like I write <laughs> in yeah, real yeah. life. I hope but not. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I know where you live. No. But, you know, it's just nice to kind of be able to explore that wickedness and uh, um. Because, you know, you can't really act like that in real life. You wouldn't have any friends. You know? No, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your your new movie, uh, your feature-length film, The Luring, uh, it's about a man that tries to recover a lost memory by returning to his family's Vermont vacation home where an unspeakable act took place, leaving him institutionalized as a child. Uh, so what is uh, yeah. what inspired you to make this film? It's uh, It seems like a very... Um, uh, like unique uh, kind of story. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hope so. I mean, I, I think it is. Um, I, I've always been intrigued with memories and uh, trying to kind of re- retrace a path that you, you walk, but you're not quite sure like what happened. Yeah. Uh, more of like a psychological I'm like, you know, Rosemary's Baby, not that there's anything with memories in it, but it's just, you know, I like that kind of psychological kind of theme. Yeah. And um, basically what happened is the house up in Vermont, it's a small house that my parents owned since uh, 1989 when my mm-hmm. stepfather died. My mom couldn't afford the house anymore. So she said she had to put it up for sale. And I asked her if I could shoot a movie. And she said, sure. Um, and then I had a deadline because the house was on the market. And uh-huh. at the time, you know, the Vermont, uh, real estate wasn't moving so fast. So I had about maybe three months to write the script. Yeah. I already kind of had something cooking already before that. Um, but having a deadline was very helpful and knowing that I wasn't going to have a lot of money to do this. I, you know, to get the right within your means. Yeah, so you're like, I just you're kinda, I was like, why, why is it not on Zillow anymore? What's going on? You're like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what, happened, what actually happened is once we got the money to, to do the film and we knew that this was going to happen, she then told the realtor saying, look, I, I'll sell the house, but it has to be in, by May 15th or whatever the date was. Like she gave a date saying that we would we would have possession of the house till that day. Mm-hmm. So I, I called cut on a Tuesday and that following two days later, I was we, we, we had the people do a walkthrough, a final walkthrough. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just yeah, ignore that so blood on the floor over there. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> there wasn't blood, but there was gum. Someone left gum on oh. the carpet. Oh. <laughs> like, That's yeah, the worst place to leave that? gum. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they, they did that. But I mean, we were shooting in mud season in Vermont, it was, so it rained for 15 consecutive days. There was so much mud oh, that was God. being tracked inside and out. And so after, you know, I had this incredible high of being, okay, I'm this director. And then the next day I'm scrubbing floors and taking gum out yeah. of the carpet. So that must have been just goes uh, to shape. tough to film around unless you kind of incorporated the rain. Uh, was it serendipitous? No, I mean, we, we lucked out. I don't know how my AD uh, worked it out, but um, we somehow figured out a way and it, somehow it, it, it worked out oddly enough, but yeah, he had a juggle because we shot with SAG actors and you can't keep them an extra day. It's not, yeah. you know, we couldn't do that. The tight schedule and all that, you know, we were doing this legit. And um, so somehow we worked it out um, to shoot where the, you know, where we knew we were, where, you know, where it wasn't going to rain. And, and we were able to figure out a way to not have to keep the actors over because, you know, we didn't have the budget for that. So yeah. I don't know how I, I just looking back, I'm like, I don't know how we did it, but we did. And, <laughs> That's, that's awesome. Uh, so, and you yeah. said, how long did a uh, production take from uh, from the first shot to to wrap? Uh, uh, it was a twenty two day shoot, but we had every five to six days we would have two days off. Oh, okay. So, um, but it was twenty two days of shooting. Got it. Uh, did it feel like twenty two days, or did it feel a lot longer or shorter? Ah. Uh, it it felt like I never wanted it to end. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when we were shooting and I was, I don't know, I was pulling cable because when you're working on an old ultra low budget film, I don't care if you're the director, you, you got to help, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was the PA, the, the, the director, the, you know, whatever, whatever needed to be done, I was doing it. And I remember I was pulling cable and I just was like looking at the house with all these lights and all these people. And I thought, Oh my God, this is the happiest I've ever been. And I just didn't want it to end. And, um, so it just felt like that. It felt like, you know, I was trying to hold on to that moment yeah. forever. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah. uh, what in your, what, in your mind, what differentiates the luring from, uh, any other horror film that you might see in, uh, like say, uh, a, a big budget horror film, like, like saw or, um, something you might see in like a major cinema plex like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like I, I try to, Anytime when I was writing a script and I felt that I was kind of going like a cliche route, I stopped myself, said, nope, let, let me go a different route. Mm -hmm. And when we shot, when we, when we showed the film in Detroit, um, I had someone come up to me and they said they really liked the fact that they, they couldn't predict what was happening. And it kept them on the edge of the seat till the end of the film. Like and he said, even at the end of the film, I wasn't. He couldn't predict it. I, and I thought, that's great. You know, I mean, I actually said it to him, like, oh, that's awesome. I didn't just think it in my head and like, okay, I didn't talk to him. But, um, <laughs> and it was, yeah, I, I just try to make a film that, that relies on other things. I mean, there's no, um, I mean, there's violence in the film, but it's a different kind of violence. And, um, you know, it's, and it's definitely fucked up. I also like the fact that it's weird. There's like a weird element to it, which I really like and I embrace. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a psychological thriller. So it, it, it really kind of plays with the mind. And I kind of feel that we need more psychological thrillers, especially with the ultra low budget psychological thrillers, because it's, I don't want to say it's easy to do a slasher film, but usually those themes are pretty predictable. There's no character development. You're just yeah. really there to see splatter. Yep. Where a psychological thriller, it's, 
you really have to be an active participant as the, as the audience. Yep. And, and I like that. And I, and I, I think films that don't spell everything out have longevity. And so we'll see. I mean, we're, you know, we have a sales agent, so they're selling the film we're actually at, at can right now. Oh, wow. And uh, so they're there. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And yeah. so you will see what happens, but you know, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's different because it's, it's truly unique. It's, there's, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I'm influenced by other filmmakers, but I'm not copying anyone or I'm not, I'm not copying like another script idea. And, yeah. you know, I really went on my own, I guess, with that. What, uh, what filmmakers or, or films would you say were kind of formative in, uh, how you, uh, approach, approach, uh, creating a psychological thriller? I mean, I, I really like Stanley Kubrick. I, I, oh, yeah. I love the fact that, um, cause I think nowadays everyone wants, I don't know, in your face mm-hmm. or Stanley Kubrick was subtle with his yeah. camera movements and his camera, uh, shots. And, and just, I mean, it's just, and, and I just, I like his, the slowness and steadiness of, of Stanley Kubrick. I think he, I like the fact that he takes his time yep. and, uh, and I'm, and I'm really talking really about the shining, I guess that's you oh, know, yeah. my favorite film. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I actually met Danny at Detroit. The, 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 the guy that played young Danny, his name is Danny Red in Rome. real life. Red Rum. <laughs> yeah. And wow, uh, he, like this, when you were, he, he was at the, uh, the nightmares film festival. Yeah, yeah, he had a booth, and and uh, and I was able to talk to him for fifteen, twenty minutes. Nicest guy, so cool. Um, it was, you know, highlight of my, one of the highlights of my weekend. I had yeah. a, I had a really good weekend when I was in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. So That's, that, that is, was really cool. That must have been amazing. Uh, do, are they actually still making? Do you know if they're still making a Shining sequel? I heard about that. I heard about it too. Um, I didn't talk to him about it because I was I had a list of questions in my mind mm-hmm. that wasn't one of them at the at the time. But um, I did hear What's about Jack that. I, 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 I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know how that's going to be or really how realistic that is. I you know I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I don't. I have mixed feelings about it. I guess. Um. But uh, so you're the main character uh, of the film. Garrett uh, has dissociative amnesia. Uh, so what made you mm-hmm. want to tell a story uh, about about uh, a character with this, uh, you know, problem? And uh, what were the, some of the difficulties of writing a character like that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, you know, when I, when my mom told me that she had to sell the house, I had the beginning and the end of my film kind of already written. They were, they were actually short films that I wrote. So they were kind of standalones. Mm-hmm. So basically I just had to figure out a way to put it in a cohesive whole. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I had this idea of this man and some supernatural, um, entities that were affecting him. And, and something about his memory, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about it. And, and I, but I knew I wanted to do something about his memory. So, you know, I just, through the creative process of, of stitching little ideas together and developing those ideas, it just sort of became this disassociative amnesia. And I started doing a lot of research on it and just, and I think it's fascinating how it's different than just regular amnesia. Disassociative, disassociative amnesia is when you forget a particular time because it's so traumatic that you just, wipe it away from your memory, but it's still there. It's, 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 it's in a deep vault. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and I thought that is just really spooky and interesting at the same time. I think I could kind of develop that. Like that would be a great reason for my character, to drive my character to go somewhere Yeah. and, and, you know, to do something. And so, um, I, you know, just through the creative process, I just sort of, um, you know, kind of went down this road. I would, the, the, the difficult part of writing the characters that, or writing the film is that I had to write some really deep, dark things and it, you know, kind of fucked me up a little bit. A few, there was a few nights where, you know, I was writing and it just, it just kind of, you know, it kind of gets to you because you have to know these characters. Yeah. Intimately, and 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 it, and it actually it kind of sometimes can take over because you have to really think like them, and you have to kind of be a little careful because it can it can affect you. And and there was a few nights where I couldn't sleep because it just I couldn't turn it off sometimes. And because sometimes you know late at night you know you have this character development, and and you're thinking of these really fucked up things late at night, three o'clock in the morning, and sometimes you, you want to turn it off, and sometimes you I you know, I, I wasn't able to, Yeah. and, uh, you know, and being dark, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's sometimes, you know, you just want to be able to think of puppies and flowers. And all of a sudden I'm thinking about, you know, the worst nightmares I can ever think about. <laughs> like, yeah. all right, I, puppies and flowers, puppies and flowers, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> puppies jumping over the moon. Um, so it sounds like, uh, your, your major approach to this was, uh, all about the characters and having the characters drive the story where uh, some other films, they might, have uh, an event drive the story or uh, just kind of an idea or a location. What was it about? What is it about characters that uh, you think drives compelling stories? I mean, I think character, it is the compelling, it's the element of a, of a compelling story. I mean, I, 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 and I also think with all the CGI stuff and all that stuff, that's great. But if you don't have character development, then why should I care? And I, and I like characters that I don't necessarily like, like, you know, it could be like a bad person, but oh yeah, I, but, but I like characters that have both bad and good. And so I'm not saying that every character has to be a yin and yang, but I, I like characters that are flawed, that aren't perfect and that show multi sides of their character. I, I think that if you just have a character that's just bad and just coming after you with an ax, Hey, that that's awesome. But I kind of. I want more, I, you know, and, and that's why I really like a thinking man's film. You know, I want to be able to think and, and, and piece the, the, the pieces together as an audience member. Like, I think that that's important. And I don't, I didn't, I didn't really see too many of those films around. Not saying that they don't exist, but there's, there's a, a plethora of slasher films and I love them, but there's only a very small amount of low budget psychological thrillers. And I, and I, those films disturb me. Those films make more of an impact on me than let's say a slasher film does totally. because I really think and analyze that film and I talk about it and it's, and it creates discussion and it's where the slash film is like, Oh, did you like it? Did you not? Okay, great. Oh, that was really cool. When that person got their head cut off. Okay. End of conversation. But with a psycho psychological thriller, you're really kind of going deep into it and you're, you're asking more questions and it's just, I don't know. It's just more conversational. I think. Yeah. Uh, so this year, uh, you won, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you, you were, uh, nominated for best thriller at Motor City Nightmares Film Festival and you, you went away with the gold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how did that, how did that 14, feel to uh, you? 
I mean, it was, I, I, I had no idea. I mean, it, it was great. I mean, it's a great festival and I met a lot of really, really talented filmmakers and I networked a lot with the people that were running it. They're super awesome. And people in Detroit are just really nice. I, I really was impressed with just everyone that I met. And, uh, I had no idea that I was going to win. I w- wasn't even thinking. I just was so happy that I was there. Yeah. And so winning, it, it's nice because it, it, it's when you make a psychological thriller with no star power, it's not easy because everyone wants slasher. They want tits hanging out. They want slasher. They want, you know, camp mm-hmm. kids at a, at a campsite, all that, you know, whatever they want. They want to put it in the box yeah. where a psychological thriller, it's not so easy. So to win the award was just validation that, there is a, there's an audience out there. They want intelligent films. They're looking for something maybe a little bit different and they just want variety. And, and I was happy to provide that because when I was walking around and just hanging out with all these amazing people, it, it just was, they, they all seem to really embrace the ultra low budget realm. And, and, and I really like that. And, and I, I tend to watch a lot of ultra low budget films or, or low budget films um, horror in the horror genre. I, it's just something that I, I like to see what a filmmaker can do with not a lot of money. Yeah. And it just seemed like I was among my people. Like I felt like I was one of many of, of, you know, a fan base. And so, yeah, to, to get the best thriller, uh, feature, you know, flooring. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really nice feeling. It's, um, it's validation basically. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's what filmmakers need. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I'm good. I can keep going. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's nice to be able to go back home and, and tell your investors or whoever, like we won an award and, uh, and to tell we have uh, Summerhill is our, is our agent, our sales agent. So it's nice to be able to say, Hey, here's our award. And so I'm sure that's going to help them sell the film because yeah. if, if, if we won an award, it means someone likes it. Yeah. <laughs> like my mom didn't give me that award. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> some other person did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so kind of taking a step back from it and, you know, being able to look back on it, uh, what, what's the most important thing you took away from Cause was this, was this your first feature film feature length? My first, yeah. My first narrative feature film. Yeah. Uh, so what's, uh, what's something that you learned from it and what's something that you would, uh, some advice you'd give to someone who, uh, who, you know, kind of wants to follow in your footsteps and make a, a feature length, uh, film that they don't have a, a lot of budget for. Well, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, you learn a lot. I mean, because there's, I mean, I've done a lot of short films and, and it's just not the same. I mean, it's just, especially when you're dealing with SAG actors and, and dealing with all the contracts and, and, and all that stuff. You know, I learned a lot about raising money. I learned a lot about um, just everything. I mean, from writing to, 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 you know, there's a difference when you write and I mean, you hear your actors interpret your script and, and kind of go in a different slight different direction and, and know what to, what to embrace and what to say, okay, no, let's keep it over here. Um, I think, I mean, I, there, I'm still learning from this experience because now since we, we have a sales agent, this is a whole different phase. You know, I, th- I'm learning every day with this and we hired a, um, a um, publicist, which I think once you make a film, you have to hire a publicist because they're the ones that reach out to all the festivals uh, they're the ones that obviously get you publicity and they're the ones that are going to get you a sales agent or at least tell you which sales agent you should go with. So we had about maybe 10 sales agents that were interested in our film that 
uh, Ryan Levy, who is our uh, publicist, he's the one that, um, you know, talked to all these people. And, and he was, and, and he was able to kind of guide us on which, what questions to ask. So we are paired with the best sales agent. And, and these are things that you, you don't know until you go through it. And even now that I know it, I still, for my next film, I'm still going to hire a publicist slash producer rep because that's, you need that at that stage. Now, in terms of raising money, my advice is, and this is what we did. We shot a scene, which happened to be the first scene in our film. We put $10,000 in it and we showed that scene to potential investors. And so the investors saw two things. They saw that we had been in the game because we put our money in it and what the film is going to look like. And so they know that this train is leaving the station. So like, okay, these guys shot the first scene. Um, it was about maybe, I don't know, seven minutes long. I don't even know. Um, and so they knew that we were serious and we had our lawyer uh, draft up all the stuff that you, to, to have an investor legitimately invest. And so we had everything as a business laid out and we also put, had, you know, put our own money in it. Yeah. And so that I think is the best way to raise money. And then we also did online campaigns too, which is great. Um, but I think online, I think people sort of maybe have this misconception that they can raise their whole budget online. Maybe they can, but it's, it's not easy. I mean, you have, to have like a, pretty, talking, when, a following already pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and you're going to, you, all your Facebook friends, believe me, like most of them aren't going to give you any money. And, and, you know, I, it, it, so there's like this, they'll, they'll like what you write. They'll, they'll comment, they'll do all this other shit, but to get people to actually give you money, even if it's five bucks, it's, it's not so easy. And so, um, everyone's asking for money now because now it's so easy with the internet. So the, really you have to kind of look at investors. I don't, I don't think it's smart to just think, Oh, I'm going to ask for money on the internet, uh, on a, on a, um, campaign because I, I don't know if, unless like you're doing something for like maybe $5,000 and even that you don't, don't, there's no guarantee. Yeah. Um, you really have to look at investors and investors. The first thing that they want to know, do, are you at all, are you at risk also? Because if, if you're just going to risk their money, they're not going to want to invest in your film. Yeah. Like, are you putting your own money in it? And and they want to see it. They want to see a final product. You can't just say, well, I bought a website or I, I, I paid for all this other stuff, but I can't really show you or really, I mean, you know, showing someone, you know, a seven minute to 10 minute clip or whatever, uh, they're going to, they're like, okay, I could see that you guys put in money. This looks great. Um, you know, they want, they want to validate you also because it's, you know, they're rich for a reason. They didn't, they don't just stupidly throw money at people, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. They, unless you're MC hammer and buying golden toilet seats, in which point I think you've earned it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. Actually, I actually pissed in a, in a golden, uh, toilet. It was, no it way. wasn't pure gold, but it was, uh, it was painted gold, but it, but it was made to look like a golden throne and it was actually pretty elaborate. And <laughs> it was one of the best pisses I ever had. Was it, it was, uh, <laughs> did you feel Royal in the moment? I did because the, because the bathroom actually was full of mirrors. It just was, it was wall to wall mirrors. So you, you saw like a thousand reflections. I don't like of that. Yourself <laughs> taking I would not like yeah, it. Was, it was trippy. It was very trippy. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a golden toilet and, uh, yeah, it was uh, like a very cool experience. <laughs> There's nothing quite that'll tank your confidence quicker than looking at yourself sitting on a toilet <laughs> and just like, what am, what am I? <laughs> So, uh, 
So yeah. speaking of looking in a thousand mirrors, uh, it's I, I'm sure you've had a lot of self reflection <laughs> since uh, since you know the you've wrapped on the film and and have been you know screening it and stuff. So what's what is next for Christopher Wells and what's next for the Luring? Well, um, what's next for me is I, I'm I'm working on a project right now that I want to shoot in Brooklyn. Um, I'm kind of compiling my ideas and, and working on the script and I, it's going to be uh, more of like a fun horror kind of film and um, with maybe a little burlesque and, and sort of, you know, vampires, but, you know, make it fun and sexy and, 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 and punk rock. Um, what's, you know, I have, I have other scripts actually I, that I'm reading and there's um slight interest in me and maybe directing another, script um someone saw the the loring they really liked it they they uh sent me the script um and we're gonna see if we can work together and and they have a producer already attached and apparently some of the funds so um you know i just have to kind of get on reading a script and there's just been so many things happening in my life right now but and what's what's happening with the loring is we're, we're gonna see i mean we we uh, we just signed with Summerhill maybe six months ago maybe five months ago i don't even know um, and like I said, they're in France right now at, at Cannes and, and they're going to hopefully, uh, make some sales with the film. They're selling it worldwide distribution. So I'm just going to, you know, see what happens with that. Um, the good thing is we don't necessarily need to make a lot of money to make a lot of money because we, we were an ultra low budget film. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's so many different platforms out there and, and, um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. And, and I know that Brian and I, Brian is my other co-producer. Uh, we talked to Summerhill and, and they are going to allow us to, um, take our film. And if we don't get a theatrical release, um, we're a, we're allowed to show the film at certain select theaters because we have living in New York, we, we built relationships with some of these theater owners. And so it will be shown on the big screen and it'd be like a perfect midnight movie. And, um, so, you know, at least we're, um, I'll be able to see my film on a few big screens because, you know, nothing beats seeing your film on a big screen. Yeah. It's just, there's just a difference between that and, you know, your TV or computer or, or God forbid, iPhone, you know, it's like, you know, it's just. <laughs> yeah, I made a short film uh, that got screened on a big screen when I was uh, back in college. And I uh, was super embarrassed because that's when I realized the importance of audio editing. <laughs> I like the film. It looked fun. It was, kind, you know, it was kind of campy in look, but the sound was awful, and I was so embarrassed. So that's I. Yeah, I, you know, I I learned that in, in in college. If you don't have good sound, that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. If you don't have, because people will forgive the look of the film. They can't forgive bad sound because it's very noticeable. It's the most noticeable, and and a lot of people, a lot of filmmakers, they go into. Oh, we'll fix everything in post. Uh, nope. <laughs> you know, you should really think about having good sound. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't fix sound in post unless you have a, a great, like overdub studio or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we did a little bit of ADR, just a tiny, tiny bit, maybe just maybe three or four lines, but that was it. Thank God. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you want good sound and it has to be consistent and it's, and you kind of, you have to, you, when you're making a budget, there's certain things you just can't skip out on. You just, you just can't. Yeah. And, um, sound is one of them. 
definitely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can people find more from you and where can people uh, find more about the Loring? Probably, you know, I have two major websites. Um, my main website is kpictures.com at the letter K. And that has a lot of information about my production company. I have some of my short films, the trailer to the Loring, um, all that kind of stuff. And uh, if they want to go specifically learn more about the Luring, they can just go to the Luring.com, and that's T-H-E-L-U-R-I-N-G.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, you have a wonderful day. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, your time. Heck yeah. Uh, and we will be back uh, after this short break with more fun. Be right back. La, 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 la. Oh, how? Welcome back to the Michael Dupree Variety Hour. We just got done talking to Christopher Wells. That was a blast. My first ever phone interview. Or not my, not my first ever phone interview, but my first ever call-in interview with someone. I've had bad, like, f- phone job interviews before. Have you ever had a bad phone you ever just had a bad interview in general, but like particularly a phone interview because you can't like, you know, you can, if you go into like a, like a, a job interview and you can have like, you can have like the swagger, you know, you can put on like your favorite blue jeans or like khaki pants and you get like that nice tight shirt you wear that like form fits you perfectly and you get on like a little tie or maybe you wear a little dress or maybe like skirt with leggings and uh, you wear like platform shoes, <laughs> or maybe like you wear a belt that that really like accentuates your lower hips super well, and everyone's like, "Who's that lady, foxy lady?" And you rock the interview, but you can't do that on a phone interview. You gotta like put on your Marilyn voice when you're doing a phone interview. And uh, yeah, I've blown phone interviews before, and it is not dignifying uh you like don't know the answers to to the questions and you just sound like a dum-dum but that's life you know sometimes you sound like a dum-dum speaking of sounding like a dum-dum uh have you listened to our other planet at podcast shows (laughs) great segue uh yes planet at podcast is a, a legendary legendary uh podcast network uh in detroit i can say legendary because you aren't going to confirm it uh we have a couple of beautiful shows you're listening to one of them uh also there's fumbling around with uh tom steinman uh comes out every monday as well really competing with my release date but it's okay he's a sports show sports comedy show uh which is always great and also best song ever uh, which uh, is hosted by Luke and Ben. Uh, you know Luke and Ben. <laughs> and they uh, listen as they talk about a lineup of some of their favorite songs. Like, uh, If you're like, hmm, what's good this week? I don't have a Spotify new release announcements. I don't keep up on the good stuff. It's such a chore for me to figure out what's good. Well, Luke and Ben got your back, baby. And they're going to keep it rolling every God damn week and they're gonna really get filthy in your ears <laughs> they're really gonna they're really gonna f up your ears with uh 
the tunes. I think they talked about Carly Rae Jepsen uh, this this last one. And um, I'm just going to say it. I'm a big Carly head. I'm seeing Carly in July when she comes here. And I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream like a little, little tiny toddler getting a Pizza Hut coupon for reading five books that month. And then turning it in for a pepperoni pizza, personal pepperoni pizza at Pizza Hut and playing the Simpsons arcade game while they wait. That's what I'm going to do. But enough about the other Planet Ant podcast shows and Carly Rae Jepsen and my cherished nostalgic childhood memories of delicious marinara and cheese and pepperoni. It is now time to welcome our next guest. Uh, now, this person is an old friend of mine, and I thought it'd be appropriate to have them because they're kind of a spooky, kind of a spookier kind of person. They they, they 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 spend most of their time in the darkness of the absence of light. Uh, so I figured with Christopher Wells uh, joining us earlier in this episode, it might be good to have a, a another uh, person who has a lot of passion for the horror genre. And uh, so please welcome uh, a basement dweller slash shadow person, Blake Blunders. Hello, Michael. Welcome, Blake. Hello, Michael. It's wonderful to be here. It's great to have you on the show. Yes, it's very, uh, what I would say, dark. It's mysterious. I did. I turned off all the lights in here except for this tiny little Superman uh, nightlight that I yes. keep by my side at all times because I'm scared of the we dark. We do need his protection at all times, Michael. I am uh, I'm deathly afraid of the dark. I don't know if you know this. Oh. And uh, I, if I'm in a dark room, uh, I can handle it. Uh, the only time I can really handle, there's two instances where I can handle being in a dark mm. room. Uh, can you guess which what two they are? Sexual intercourse. No. <laughs> Blaring floodlights. <laughs> In those situations. No. Sleeping mm. and a movie theater. But that's not completely pitch black. No. But it is a dark room. You can't deny that. Mm. It is. Well, maybe not for you. To it you, is but anything but dark to me, Michael. So what's it like like being outside, for example, for you? Well, depends on the time of day, Michael, but... It is four in the morning as we're recording this. Yes. Uh, so by the time we're done, it might start be starting to get a little bright. Oh, there. don't you worry. The sun knows better. Sun the knows. sun knows much better than to come out when I am doing things. When you're out and about. Even if I have to go to a noon lunch date with my boyfriend. Oh, you got a boyfriend? Oh, I do. Oh, uh... But the sun knows, oh, here comes Blake. How did... Ooh, that was... That was <laughs> creepy. You, uh... Now, I can... Now, it's not completely pitch black in here. Like I said, we have the Superman nightlight. And I can see your silhouette. Yeah. And, um... I will comment on it if you will allow. I would love to see and hear your interpretation of my silhouette. Uh, so you are very, very unnervingly, uh, I would say, tall. Oh, I'm very lanky, man. Uh, and your arms are, uh, I'd say, mm, not proportional to your body. Oh, absolutely not. They drag on the ground like a couple of Vienna sausages. Is that, what, is that a common trait in Vienna sausages? Well, if you're dragging them on the ground, then yes. <laughs> I guess that's true. 
I guess that's true. Now, uh, and you, now you said C. You like you would like to see my interpretation. Of you. I would. So you can can you can because I can't really. See, I can only see a slight silhouette. I, I, but other than that, I'm completely clueless as to anything, all, any of my surroundings, really. Mm. Uh, there could be a thousand spiders oh, you crawling on the walls. you don't want to see what's surrounding you tonight. But uh, my question is, can you see? Oh, I can see you perfectly. Perfectly. Like, as 100. if it was bright yes, lights in here? as if there was a big old round light above your beautiful head, my All right, how many fingers am I holding up? Three. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wasn't. I was holding them under the table. Yes, Michael. <laughs> you see, as a shadow person, you have what they call different vision. Different. That's not a very catchy name. It isn't. I. They. I didn't come up with it. Okay. But my different vision. You see things differently. You see through things. Oh, you see what you want. To that's see. where it comes from. Different vision, Michael. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't you see? Yes. And uh, that what is it? What is it like to have? Have you ever not had this different vision? Or were you born with? That? I was born. Uh, it's genetic, almost like the Harry Potter worlds thing, where if your parents, even though Hermione Granger, like she some people don't have wizard parents, right? So it's like that. But my father was a shadow person. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. He Did was he have a mustache. If you wanted to. See, as a shadow person, Michael, you can become anything you want to be. Oh, that's creepy. Right now, I could become a huge tarantula, but I won't. Don't. Please don't. I just have that look as though I have estranged hair and, and, and limbs that are longer than a mile. And more, uh, you have more limbs than uh, I have multiple. than people typically have. Yes, well, I need them to climb. What does go. the birth of a shadow person look like? And also, well, you said your father was a shadow person, but what was your my mother? My father was a shadow person. My mother was a werewolf. Oh. Yes, but... Match made in heaven. Yes, it was... Well, what happened was, Michael, was my mother was trolloping down an alley after just brutally brutally massacring an entire village of people. Mm -hmm. And my father drifted down the alley like the gas of a war. And he came down on her. And instead of feeling... The feeling of fear. My mother felt the fear of love, but not the fear of love. The fear of not loving. Oh. The fear of, of hate. The of the absence of love. The feel of the darkness not being around, and that was the night I was conceived. Did you toot a little bit after you said that? I heard a little fart. That was the chair. Oh, okay. Yes, there it goes again. I was scared. I was very scared uh, from your description. I was quaking, and then I heard a little toot, and I got less scared. Well, I can't toot, unfortunately. You don't got a little butthole? I, well, shadow people are, are morphers. But they, you could have a butthole if you wanted to. I could. Have you ever tried it? Yes. Didn't like it? I loved it. Oh. You see, Michael, as a shadow person, you're not a real person, so you don't have the benefits of a real person. I can't just go and enjoy an ice cream at 7.30 p.m. with my Mm -hmm. daughter. I don't have a daughter. Okay. I'm just saying if I did. Good good call. uh, Yes. 
But Michael, I just have to pretend in some cases. So that's why you find me in the creamy, crawly parts of your basement. The parts you never want to go into when you're down doing your load of laundry and you hear the Over three, three knocks, three knocks, see? My powers even turned my microphone off. They just turned the headphones off. Was it? Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, it was just my headphones. Misdirected powers. (laughs) See, that's another problem. Sometimes all of your energy goes into something else. I that sounds like a bad relationship. I've had many of those. Really? You see, shadow people Tinder is even worse than human Tinder, I've heard. Because, oh. well, Wait, all Is right. it just called shadow people Tinder? No. What's it called? Shinder. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know who came up with it, but either way, all of them are just holding on to their... They're fish in the lake, and they're going, and they're and they're little uh, what you call it the the uh, cornhole games Ugh. on a beach, and you just see the the black mist going into the ocean as though they don't even care. I hate the name cornhole for that game. Cornhole. It's, it's, a, it's such a bad name. Call it beanbag toss for the yeah, love of God. Yeah, or just bag toss or. Bean, bean. Or family get-together time. Bean and the Bob. <sighs> yeah. Either way, being a shadow person, it definitely has its quirks, too. Mm-hmm. I can tell scary, spooky stories. Ooh. I can scream as though I'm being murdered, but I'm really not. And then you wake up at 3.03 a.m. Am the witching hour, and you say to yourself, Did I just hear a scream? Did I just hear a three? That means the holy trinity is being mocked. Wait, three oh three, three plus three is six. Six, 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 six. three times six. Six Six. is the number that I sing when I go to bed. Don't wanna die. Don't wanna be strangled by a shadow person. Shadow person. And then you hear that coming from the creepiest it's darkest heart of your basement and you wonder and you dwell and you perplex yourself about who, what, where, how, when, and why. But you never My least favorite questions. You never tell. And then one night you're sitting there, your precious, beautiful newlywed wife is laying next to you with her beautiful auburn hair and her middle name being Louise. And she looks towards the door and you're fast asleep because you fell asleep to an ASMR video. (gasps) And she looks at the door and what does she see? 
a six foot seven grave digger man from 1886. Standing at the doorway, pointing towards the window. And what's outside the window? A full moon. And a wind howling. Emily. Emily. And then you wake to your beautiful newlywed bride, dressed all in black. Black lipstick running down her beautiful cheeks. And you say... Emily, Louise, what happened? And she'll turn to you and say, The shadow people. And then she disappears through the floor. What are your favorite vacation spots? I truly am a fan of California, Mm. Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Uh, I truly... uh, appreciate a good Transylvania mm. and not a bad Transylvania Milwaukee was that was that bad Transylvania or were you just <laughs> contributing to your answer just contributing okay. to my answer because Milwaukee is just quaint you know you feel it though you're sitting next to a bond fire and then you hear the crack 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 of the wood on your kneecap i think you'd be good at asmr you got it i think you got it down just talk into the microphone and then you feel the darkness wrap 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 and then you get a hairbrush and go comb 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 into the microphone mm-hmm. and then you go Yeah. I could do shadow person AMS ASMR. Yeah. And then people will be like, are they behind me? No, they're wrapped around you <clears throat> like a boa constrictor. That's pretty scary. Have you ever been wrapped with a boa constrictor, Michael? No. Let me tell you, it is the thrill of the ride, <clears throat> it is the thrill of the squeeze and the pressure and the pulse and the quick bite and the little faint have you ever killed anybody i haven't oh but i've seen like you would i well that's because i've seen it happen multiple times you see michael as a shadow person when you're creeping crawling in the creepiest corners of somebody's bedroom well you see the worst of them you see them die of a Stroke. Oh. Die of just anything. Just anything. Murder. Ooh. Someone coming through the window. Step, 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 step. Someone coming through the door. A loved one. Smother, smother, smother. Ooh. And then you sit there. Well, now do I testify in court? <laughs> and then you say, well, shadow people, court. But shadow people, they're not real in the judicial system. And that, you don't have a social security card. No, I don't. I have a I have a speedy rewards card, oh. and that's about as far as I get. How many? How big? How many are you at? Twenty thousand. Well, I'm at twenty-seven thousand. Oh, 
No, I'm at 22. You got to do the monthly perks. You know, you got to go like kiosk and you get like 10, uh, you know, every 10 gallons of gas, you get like double, double the points or something like that. Like I won't go in my Nissan Note. Oh, you got a hybrid. No, it's not. It takes unleaded. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Wait, why wouldn't it go in your Nissan Note? It's a shadow person Nissan Note. Oh, but it takes unleaded. It does take unleaded, but it's complicated, okay? It's it's where... I I have the speedy rewards for the for real shakes, okay? I admit it. I accidentally filled my shadow person Nissan Note up with regular unleaded gas. And let me tell you, I got down the street and I had to call triple A. Does triple A is it the same triple A that we might call? Yes, unfortunately. Oh, yes. That's uh, the funny part. We I'm, share car insurances, but not cars. I'm surprised you called it triple A and not. Ah! Well, okay. So here's the thing about it. I did that as a joke. I wanted to be funny, mm. and they said, "Sir, ma'am, whatever the hell you are, <laughs> if you call here again doing that, we will." And you. And that's exactly what they said to me. Did they scare you? Yeah. Wow. And that I and that I it that started to make me question myself as a shadow person. (laughs) But then I said to myself, Blake, 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 Blake. You were born for this, baby. Blake is a weird name for a shadow person. I'm named after Blake Lively. Oh. <laughs> because my mother, because I'm the same age as Blake Lively, oh. but my mother, the werewolf, wanted to kill Blake Lively's mother. Oh. And Blake Lively's just a little bit older than me. So I am named after Are you her. Blake Lively's shadow? <clears throat> I have been before. Mm. But no, currently I am I'm just representing somewhat of a jackal. Oh. Yes, in this dark, creepy room, Michael. Well, thank creepy. you so much, Blake uh, Blunders, for joining us on the show. Thank you. Uh, is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, yes. I will be performing in the Detroit Detroit Women of Comedy Festival. Mm, but I won't tell you where and I won't tell you where. Well, I would have to guess that it would be during the 8 p.m. Apples and Oranges performance at... The uh, Planet Ant Hall. That's actually accurate. Mm. Uh, you'll see me screaming, crying, gallivanting. And you do have a brother. I do have a brother. Mm-hmm. Named Jake. Jake Blunders. Mm-hmm. And he's the clean cut one with mm-hmm. the flashlight. And I come out with my lantern and I shine it at my face like a half lit moon. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Uh, speaking of the Detroit Women of Comedy Festival, guys, uh, it's coming the frick up. Uh, is the the opening day play ball is uh, what is it? The Thursday, May thirtieth. Uh, and there's so much fun. There's like so many people coming. Yes. Mary, who is your favorite? Oh my God! Well, my I am a big fan of Alex Knows It All. Oh yeah, it's, a, it's like spooky. Yes, but I also love the Jamie Moyer, the Mary Beth Monroe, mm-hmm. and also, of course, the beautiful Nancy Hayden. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Three Pete is performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Messing, improv legend's mm-hmm. gonna be there. Uh, and guess what, guys? Uh, Michael Dupree Variety Hour <gasps> is also going to be there. 
on June 1st at 6 p.m. Uh, at the Ant Hall doing our, our, that's our, this is our first live show in months. I think almost like nine months, I think we've since been our, since our last live show back in like September, I think maybe. Uh, we're back, guys. We're doing it all over again. Uh, so we're going to have some wonderful, uh, I'm going to say it one more time, wonderful guests on, on the show. Uh, you're going to have to come check it out. Uh, but of course, we're going to have some wonderful uh, friends of the show, like uh, maybe you can count on maybe seeing a little Dinah Jones on the show. Uh, we're going to have Diane Bailey from the Planet Ant Home team on the show. Uh, and also, guys, uh, this is very exciting, uh, from Ann Arbor, Shelly Smith uh, is going to be on the show. Uh, and there's more fun guests, you know. You never know who will show up at the Michael Dupree Variety Hour live. Uh, and then at 8 p.m., like I mentioned earlier, you can check out uh, me and my sister Lauren Dupree performing Apples and Oranges at the Planet Ant Black Box. I heard she's a, the talk of the town. She's to die for. Yes. And then at 10 p.m., I believe Lauren's other troupe, Denver Airport, is performing. Oh, at the Black that's Box. the horror conspiracy one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, to find more, go to uh, what is it now? I can't remember. The Detroit Women of Comedy dot uh, com. I I believe well they're on Instagram, but you can also search on planetad.com for yes. the Detroit Women of Comedy Festival event that, that just went live went recently live. last week. Mm-hmm. And uh so yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had that weekend. It is it's it last year it was the most fun. Period. Yes. Uh so strongly recommend that you go check it out. Uh and please Come see the Michael Debris Friday Hour Live. It's a blast. Yeah, but it's not as much of a blast if we don't have anyone in the audience laughing. Uh, so make it happen, guys. Uh, yeah, that is all I have for the show for you guys today. Remember, stay stay beautiful. Stay sexy. Wipe your butt. <laughs> and we'll be back next week with Ladyship Warship and our Memorial Day episode uh, in God We Trust. Uh <laughs> We'll be back next week with more fun. Bye. Bye. <laughs> the Michael Debris Variety Hour is powered by Pinecast and is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network. Please remember to subscribe and review the show on iTunes if you're so inclined. Find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Michael Dupree VH. The theme song for the Michael Dupree Variety Hour is Don't Weigh Me Down by Broadcast 2000. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.